0: that's why I titled it Matthew 24 Introduction to the Olivet Discourse Matthew 24 Introduction to the Olivet Discourse So, basically what I'm going to share with us today is more or or less an introduction okay um it's important that we study things in context, it's important we study things from background, you know you can't just build a house like that, You, you need to lay the foundation when you lay the foundation you, you you know, a lot of money and time is spent doing the foundation because if you get it right, everything becomes easier. I, I was telling you well, those last, this last week about the house that, that fell in our street. Foundation was wrong. And, and that tells you something foundation matters a lot. A lot of the houses we, we've been hearing that has been falling down in Lagos, many of them has a lot to do with foundational issues. Okay, and foundation is important because when you are building building your life, building a marriage, building your business, foundation is very important, even your Christian life. It's important the foundation you have, and sometimes you may need to scrape off the foundation and rebuild again, just like what right now you know, the, the Badagra Bad Express Road What is going on right now? The, the construction going on right there, you know, if you observe something they are doing in some parts, they're they are not just putting it, putting the road, they will first dig out. The sand that is there because the sand there is not pure sand it's mixed with a lot of junk so and and they have this mindset that if they build on it after a while the, 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 it will cave in so they are bringing out the dirt the, the sand and re- refilling it again with pure sand then building on it so that it will now last for a longer period so this this is what we are doing right now we are building the foundation to understand things i said something i'm going to say this again i'm going to start from saying this we are not living in the end times we are not living in the end times no matter what you are hearing right now in the news or anywhere we are not living in the end times or or the final times we are not in this moment i'm going to show to you from this place why i'm saying this because a lot of teaching on, on end time is actually built on the understanding of march 24. so we're going to really look at it let's just start our journey by Opening to Matthew 24. Now it says on verse 1. Can you see it? Alright, now look, look at what it says. It says, and Jesus, notice the word, what's the first word there? What's the first word there? And. And is a, is a conjunction, right? Bringing two thoughts together. It tells you something that Matthew 24, verse 1 is not. The beginning of an idea it's an overflow of an idea or this discussion that had been overflowing from the previous chapters then it says and Jesus went out out of where the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple verse 2 and Jesus said unto them uh, that's after they showed the, him the buildings see not all these things verily I say to you there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down and verse 3 and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the world i want you to, be, to see something here there's a continuing thoughts discussion and the first thing that they're asking, when shall these things be these things has to be reference to what he has been saying previously before now and they connected whatever he was saying before to the sign of his coming they also connected to what he was saying to so the end of the world. Now, just hold on. Let me move to another translation. Now, the, the King James now revised their own writing, or should I say, version in the in the New King James. Like what, what it says. And, and as he sat upon Mount Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us when will these things be." and what will be the sign of your coming and what the end of the age they got it right at the initial point it was wrong because the greek word there means age and not world now of course many of us who grew up in the christian faith started with the old king james so when we read there we started believing and looking forward to the end of the world and not the end of an age hallelujah okay now we we're we'll beginning a study, which is known in many uh, in the scholar, scholar's world as they, they call it the Olivet Discourse. This is a sermon on the Mount, Mount of Olives, and the, the parallel of this story can also be found in Mark thirteen, Luke twenty-one. In other words, you can look at Mark thirteen and um, Luke twenty-one to now bring bring these stories together. So let's begin. From here Matthew M- Luke and John are usually known as the Synoptic Gospels that's what they are called and the word synoptic comes from three, two Greek words which means to see together literally means um, able to see them together the reason for that name is like this these three Gospels each give an account of the same events in Jesus's life there are in each of them additions and omissions but broadly speaking their material is the same and the arrangement is the same. It is therefore possible to set them down in parallel columns to compare one with the other. In other words when you look at Matthew Luke and John they are all giving different accounts of um, of Jesus but it's the same account because it's like, if, for example Matthew Luke, Luke and John tell us exactly the same thing, there's something wrong with the book do you understand what i mean because each person is looking at him from a different point of view um, or perspective so they will give something slightly different but when you add the, the three together you now have a complete picture and that's why whenever in a case of law when they are uh, looking at a case and they are bringing out witnesses they they, they, just look at, they, 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 they would prefer if they, they, they have more than one witness to give um an account of what happened and therefore they can listen to this person Listen to this person and put all the details together and be able to understand what really happened. So that's how it is. Matthew Mark look at Matthew Mark and Luke, this three. I didn't mention John because John is not written in the same format. John is written in a revelatory form, format. He, he writes in, in the events in such a way that it, it, it doesn't it does not flow in, in how it happened. You understand Alright. Now Another thing that is important for us to realize is that Matthew was a gospel that was written to the Jews. The book of Matthew was basically written to the Jews. Why? To convince the Jews. Because one of the greatest great objects of, of Matthew is to demonstrate that all the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus. And that therefore, he must be the Messiah. Why? Because they were looking for the Messiah. Even up to now, the Jewish world is still believing that the Messiah will soon come. So when the when the disciples wrote afterwards they wrote the book of matthew specifically to the jews so that they will now see that ah everything he did and how he lived his life was a fulfillment of all the prophecies they had heard from the old covenant okay now you will see the, from the way it is structured how this was so uh, now one, one, one phrase that runs throughout in the book of matthew is this phrase that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets. So that phrase comes in varied forms and it occurs in the gospel as often as 10 times. That This is just to confirm that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah. How many of you know that he was re- rejected by the Jews himself? So Jesus' birth and names are also fulfillment of prophecy. You can see that in Matthew 1, 22, 23. In fact, let me, let me just even show you something very interesting. I many of you have actually opened the book of Matthew and wonder why it's written this way? Look at just let's, let's go there. Let me show you something there. This is how it begins. It starts this way. Matthew 1, verse 1. It says, The book of what? Genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. From the very beginning, They wanted to know the Jewish audience. They want the Jewish audience to know who they were talking about. And see the connection there. They connected Jesus to who? Two people that is very important in the Jewish history. David and Abraham. Why David? Because it is believed that the Messiah will come from the lineage of kings, David. Now the Jews believed that their heritage begins in Abraham. So this was to prove to them. That Jesus, whom this book is about, is is to prove to them that he is the Messiah they they were expecting. So, when you look at verse 2, you then begin to see that Abraham began Isaac, and Isaac began Jacob, and Jacob began Judah, and his brothers. So, you now begin to show you you the tree, the family tree, until it gets to when he was born. That's the idea there. It's not just to bore you with details. It's to let you know the trace of the Messiah. That this is who you you, you, is, who is, brother, from the... From the lineage of the king and from the lineage of our father hallelujah okay so the flights into Egypt was also prophesied and in Matthew 2, and 2 verse 14 it was also a fulfillment of prophecy let me, let me just show you that one Matthew 2 and verse 14 after the error that planned to kill all the children it says when he arose he took the young kid, child and his mother by night and they parted for Egypt because the angel gave them a the warning that um, herald was, was going about killing children look at what it says in verse 15 and was there in Egypt until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying out of Egypt I called my son hallelujah okay then herba's slaughter of all the young children in an attempt to kill you to kill Jesus was also prophesied you also remember that even when Moses was born to this same scenario happened too okay and there's something very interesting here before the devil's plan comes up God has already provided a way of escape hallelujah it's wonderful that <laughs> our God is a comedian when Pharaoh had decided to kill all the children in Egypt especially those born in the Hebrew household when they could not hide Moses anymore in the camp of the Jews guess where God decided to not hide Moses in Pharaoh's house <laughs> Hallelujah. He, he, our God is wonderful. Nothing not catches God by surprise. The mother, he, See, what the mother thought was this, let's put him in a basket and let's see where the water will take him. But God already knew everything. God has a way of even u- using your useless action. <laughs> that thing you consider worthless. God can use it to do a miracle in your life. So she let the baby into the basket, like wherever it goes. And God led that baby in that basket So pharaoh's the daughter and she saw the child and took the child into her house into pharaoh's house the child that they were were looking for the gilu was not in pharaoh's house now as if it didn't get worse the thing was not looking for who a woman that would take care of the baby and guess who took care of the baby the mother (laughs) is how come not wonderful never hopeless no matter how we find ourselves in an institution, before any bad thing will come up with, a situation or maybe financial meltdown or issue let me tell you something God has already made a way of escape for you already already hallelujah our confidence in God will let us see and trust him to lead us when others are crying ah Now wow! this one, in fact, I heard one man saying two weeks ago, in fact, Nigerians will will soon be dying on the streets now. They will be dying falling on the ground. I was like, that's your own own testimony. My father's got me in his hands. The nation may may have fallen into this trap, but my father has had a plan for the trap came. Hallelujah. So before Herod decided to kill all the sons in Israel, God had spoken about it over 500 years out of Egypt I call my son. So at the appointed time he sent the angel to to to, to Joseph, bring the child to Egypt. He had already made a provision. Now let me let you know how God made it even very easy for them. The, 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 the wise men that, that approached Jesus when he was born. You remember what they gave to him? Gold, frankincense and, and Mary. Those are very expensive things. And Joseph and Mary were very poor people. But that was to give them prosperity ahead of time so that as they were traveling back to they were traveling to Egypt they will have enough livelihood to take care of themselves See when they can come back hallelujah Our God is awesome alright so uh, we have the transferred entry of Jesus was also prophesied confirm in Matthew 21 let me also show down Matthew 21 verse 3 it says It okay. Jesus told them to go and fetch you know the the donkey who used to move into Jerusalem and he told them if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Verse fourteen, verse, four. And all this was done that it might be what fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on the donkey it caught the, the the foal of a donkey so you can see Jesus's life was was a step to fulfill every prophecy that was made of him from the old covenant and that's why the book of Matthew was narrated to the Jews to confirm to him, this is the man this is the one we're expecting hallelujah okay um so it, it, it is Matthew Matthew's prophetic purpose to show that the Old Testament prophecies received their fulfillment in Jesus okay how every detail of his life was foreshadowed in the prophets and thus to compel the Jews to admit that Jesus is indeed the long awaited messiah of the hebrew scriptures the, new, the jews knew very well the old testament teaching that the messiah would come would bring in the promised kingdom of heaven and that's why the book of matthew talks a lot about the, the kingdom of heaven so now the word messiah is the transliteration of a hebrew word meaning the anointed one in the Greek it is known as Christos they view the messiah as a that's, this is how the Jews see the messiah as a warrior prince that would expel the hated Romans from Israel and bring in a kingdom in which the Jews will be promoted to world dominion in other words there will be the world power so the course of this ministry is one in which he sought to win the disciples away from that traditional notion of, of a warrior messiah he was he spent three and a half years re-educating his, his disciples to understand that my kingdom is not of this world and the Messiah is not what you are thinking. He will not be one who will come and destroy people, destroy the Romans. And that's why he went about healing people, healing the sick, healing the blind. And, and, and when the Jews saw, that, especially the Pharisees, they were like, if this is the Messiah, he must be a very weak person. Because we expect someone who is a warrior that will come that with will sword, with vengeance. And here he is going about down feeding people are hungry. Healing those who are sick. I mean, <laughs> is this our business? <laughs> what concerns us? We need someone that will deliver us on Romans. But he came and he taught his disciples in those three and a half years that this is not how it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you some scriptures he said there. that will, uh, that will show you this. Um, John 18, 36 remember i'm building this topic okay john 18 and verse 36 right jesus answered my kingdom is what not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants will fight so that i should not be delivered to the jews but now my kingdom is not from here clear statement the Messiah was to bring a kingdom that is not physical and not a kingdom that will war against the Romans hallelujah you must you must know that the Jews in those days believed in their hearts that they were the most superiors on earth God was dealing with them personally and at the right time God will bring the Messiah that will now restore them to what power and everybody that brought them low he will destroy their nation that was the idea. I'm gonna show you another scripture reference. Luke 1720. Luke seventeen verse 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom will come, now they are asking him, is not because they believe him. It's to further set trap to see whether what he's saying is true. So and he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with what? Observation. In other words, it should not be based on what the eyes can see. Then he told them in verse 21. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is what? Within you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Matthew teaches us so much about the, the, the kingdom of heaven. And thirty-two times in, in in his gospel, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. Matthew's d- the, main, the main idea is that Jesus was the Messiah and the King of Israel, hence mentioning him being born of the line of David and also of the family of um, Abraham. Now, Jesus himself spoke in Aramaic. The gospel writers translated Jesus' sermons and parables into Greek. Okay, Mark. Luke and John translated Jesus's words as the kingdom of God, but Matthew, Matthew says he calls them the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah! Now, what did Jesus mean when he spoke about the, the, the kingdom of God? He simply meant wherever the the, the kingdom of God will will rule, the, the the influence of the kingdom of God, the influence of God, the, the influence of grace, wherever the kingdom that. Wherever his grace is at work, there his kingdom is ruling. Hallelujah. So it's not a physical structure. And and that's why, this is one of the reasons why I actually don't believe in all, all those futuristic expectations of Jesus coming back. Because every everyone that has that idea believes that you come back and bring a physical government here on it. You will physically. You know? Everything will be physical to prove what the Bible knows. These things. Has been confirmed by him. They said, "My kingdom number one is not of this world. Number two, the, the kingdom will not come by observation. It will work within you. That means it will be spiritual, but it will have physical realities. Hallelujah! Because the spiritual gives birth to what? The physical. Prosperity is not natural. Prosperity is of the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen." You know, a friend of mine who was just sharing a testimony on Facebook today. This evening, I have to celebrate with her. But how God gave them a contract that would see them to handle a job that would cover the whole of Detroit, a state in in, in the U.S. And we've been discussing recently for the past two, three weeks. And she said all that she had been doing in the last two weeks is praising God for His goodness, praising God for His goodness, and. I, I told her, "Don't worry, I'm joining you in her I, that prayer, praise." That's what I told her last week. So, when she got the made the the, 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 the uh, announcements and she she put it on Facebook, she then she now got another call from her partner. He like, must really be praying very hard wherever you are for this to have come to pass. And she smiled. He <laughs> must really be praying very hard. And, and that's the idea. People believe you have something very big. Ah, there must be something you are doing seriously. You must have prayed very hard. My friends listen God wants to do something in your life so that you know that grace is sweet hallelujah grace is enjoyable grace is the heart of the father moving your direction there's there's no father here that has a child that is not moved to love the child there's no father here sometimes you don't even have reason to like your child but when you look at that, your child there's a joy that comes within you because you are seeing a reflection of your own image. The fruit, the fruit of your love. That's your child. God does not see us any any less than that. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes we say, This is our position. Oh God. See my life. I'm just wasting away. I'm just suffering. What what are you not doing? What are you not doing? <laughs> you know. And God is on the other side saying, You don't have to worry. I've got everything in control. But when we worry, and worry, and worry, our medit- it becomes meditation. And med- meditation always brings forth presence or power. If your meditation is negative, it will bring forth negative realities. If your meditation is positive, it will bring forth from nowhere things that are tangible and miraculous. Worry is negative meditation hallelujah okay so Matthew emphasized about the the coming kingdom and the judgment on all who reject it and right at the beginning you see John he comes and makes a call for repentance and warning of judgment to all who rejected God's kingdom now this is why on Sunday I was I was telling people that evangelism is not about speaking about judgments you must understand what happened there. The kingdom was to come because the Messiah had come. So John was not telling them that the kingdom is what? At hand. In other words, it's very close here. It don't land, finish. Repent. Don't refuse. Because if you refuse, there's a fire that will not burn. We don't call that one hellfire. Because we do not understand that Jewish narration. That they were expecting the Messiah to come. He will come with the kingdom. But they didn't know that the kingdom will be spiritual. And when he, when that would happen, when the kingdom will be fully established, the Jewish um, temple administration and economy will be destroyed, which will now lead to the destruction of the temple. Those who do not believe will be caught in that in that destruction and will lose their life, and will be destroyed in that fire. So, the prophecy had already been speaking about it for long years ago. So when John the Baptist came, he talked about it. Now, do, you, do you not see why it's important to read these things in context? Because it's to make your evangelism accurate. What is good news in evangelism if you are going out to tell them about bad things? Because there's nothing good, there's nothing bad rather, in what is called good news. Hallelujah. Alright, so they talked about judgment and the judgment in the book of Matthew and others was in connection to the kingdom coming. They talk about resurrection it was all in connection with the kingdom coming so when when john spoke for when john came on the scene for 400 years there was no prophecy from god okay and according to how it was prophesied elijah was to first come forth before the messiah now because their understanding was also poor they thought elijah will come physically too you can see how, how terrible their expectation was they were expecting a physical kingdom they were expecting a, made elijah to come back again <laughs> physically okay and elijah was to come in the form of john the baptist and one of the interesting things about about john and elijah was the fact that elijah dressed so john dressed the same way elijah dressed the same way camel's hair uh, you can confirm that if you just your own study so John's message was one of repentance or judgment if they, they, they repent they get ready for the kingdom but if they don't, they don't repent they will be taken away when the kingdom comes Matthew four twenty three says and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues preaching what the gospel of which is what the good news of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people Now this should have been declared to them who he was. Okay? Who else could do this but the promised Messiah? Because there was a prophecy concerning Messiah what he would do. And that also takes us to Isaiah 35 and verse 4. I will see here. Alright. Thought you've gone home. Isaiah 35 and verse 4. So you say to those who are fearful hearted. Some of you know this song. Say to those who are brokenhearted, do not be afraid. Say, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with re- the recompense of God. He will come and what? And save you. Look at verse 5. Then he says, when he comes, then the eyes of the blind will be what? Opened, and the ears of the devil shall be what? unstopped verse 6 then the lame shall leap as a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and this is talking about nobody but jesus because when he came the blind was made to see the dumb could sing the lame could walk hallelujah So at the same time, John the Baptist started doubting about Jesus being a Messiah because he too also had this idea of Messiah being a warrior. <laughs> so while in prison, as he began to doubt, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was one to call the one or they should expect another. You can imagine how life can change. This same John the Baptist said, This is the one who <coughs> and I am not ready to remove his shoe. He was about to baptize him he said no i can't i can't no i can't baptize you. now you must baptize me few years after not up to three years ago he sends messages to his disciples to go him plus are you sure you're the one or should we expect another look at jesus's reply matthew 11 4. four. Uh, you see in his reply he did not query john he took john back to the scriptures to refresh his mind Matthew 11 verse 4 he said Jesus answered and said to them go and tell John the things that you was you hear and see the blind see the lame walk the lepers are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me do you see the connection there with Isaiah there because when the Messiah comes this is exactly what he will do Hallelujah okay so Jesus also tells them as he preached about the kingdom he also also warned them about rejecting he said in John 3 that (coughs) those that received the, the son have life in themselves, but those who do not believe, say the wrath of God abides upon them. Okay. <coughs> the Jews believe that when the Messiah came, that there will be a great banquet, at which all Jews will sit down to feast, and that's where you have the idea of when we get to heaven at the marriage supper all the shall gather at the last assembly. But for the Jews, it didn't work that way. It does not all the shall gather. All the supposed to be all the Jews shall gather. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not all the saints. In fact, their, their own idea of all the saints was all the Jews, not you and I. Okay? So you come and bring a banquet and they all feast together. They never believed that any Gentile will sit down there. And that's why close to 10 years when the disciples were preaching, they didn't even preach the gospel to any Gentile. Not even one. It took God to personally appear to Peter. And it was an argument back and forth. Vision. Three times, go. Say no, if you go, go. Why? Say that thing is unclean. Don't call unclean. What have called clean? Eventually, he succumbed, and he went to Cornelius' house. Cornelius received the gospel in man's house, and without much, without much uh, ceremony, they received the spirits speaking in tongues. Now they were, they were surprised they were speaking in tongues. But guess who was most surprised? Peter and his colleagues are went there. They did not expect that to happen. So the gentleman is surprised that they were praying. Wow. What an experience. Why the disciples were like, eh? We had to wait for it. tarry for it. This one we didn't even lay hands on them. And they got it. I and, and it says something it, it truly it showed that God is not a respecter of persons. Hallelujah. So now, Jesus said that many will come into the kingdom from the east and from the west and they will sit down at the table or the banquet. But he also said that those who, many of the sons of the kingdom will be shut out. Referring to those Jews who were expecting the kingdom to come. So the Jews had to learn that the passport to God's presence is not what? Membership of a nation or tribe, but what? Or Faith now as we move closer to Matthew 24 we're, we're just doing a summary of Matthew of the book of Matthew we begin to notice that the, the idea of judgment begins to build in the writings especially when he went to Jerusalem when he went to Jerusalem he went to the temple he went to meet the leaders it was and he knew that it was there he would be crucified his going to Jerusalem was to do what i call God sending him on a final mission Go and confirm if they if they will receive me and if they will reject me, now will be the time of judgment. So in Matthew 21, Jesus gives a parable and tells them that, that the kingdom of God will, will be taken from them and given to another. Also confirming what was written in the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus, Jesus has clearly prophesied that the, the kingdom of God will be taken from the Jews and given to another nation that will bear the fruit. Okay? and in that parable we see the, the parable called the bar- parable of the, uh, of the b- banquets which the father threw for his son the people that were invited would refused the, ban- the banquets those who that were on the streets were the ones that eventually attended the banquets and those ones on the streets are re- those who are rejected a nobody people like you and me okay now It is clear that the reference here is to Jerusalem and the destruction that happened in 8070. Now, in Matthew chapter 23 of Matthew, Jesus pronounced seven woes upon the scribes and Pharisees from verse 13. Let's just run through that. Matthew 23. but what to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for you neither go in yourself nor do you allow those who are entering to go in remember what he said at one time he said for the kingdom of heaven suffer everness right and men are pressing into it and he's now saying here that those who are pressing could not enter why because of the pharisees and, and, and the scribes they shut the kingdom out to those were pressing in and how did, how did they do it? through the law by administering the law to the people the people could not enter because the law condemned them the law was their ju- judgment the law brought them to death hallelujah in verse 14 we see again it says to them Woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you devour widows houses and for he pretends make long prayers therefore you will receive greater condemnation verse 15 work to you scribes and pharisees <coughs> for you travel land and sea to win a proselyte a proselyte is, is a jewish sorry is a gentile who wants to become a jew so you you go to win one proselyte and when he is co- one you make him twice as much a son of hell, as you as you yourselves. Verse sixteen. What to you blind guides, that Pharisees and scribes, who say, who say, whoever swears by the temple is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obliged to perform it. So give them seven woes. Uh, in, in in the Hebrew language, seven is a is a complete is a word of conviction it shows a submission so it was a complete judgment that was growing upon the Jewish leadership. okay. hallelujah. so this chapter talks about the most terrible of all discourses ever to be delivered to, to men. it was pronounced in a temple I was saying this he was sent in a temple to the Jewish leaders okay and um, in the presence of the multitudes this was the last of the Lord's public talk and this is the most impressive summary of all you had ever had to say say about that generation which is which we could call wicked and hypocritical now in Matthew 23, that's in Matthew 23 look at verse 30, 33 I want to show you something remember we're building to Matthew 24. Matthew 23 33 look at what he calls them serpents and brood of vipers how can you escape the condemnation of hell who did he call serpents and brood of vipers the scribes and Pharisees who caused the fall at the beginning it was was, was a snake so when he called them brood of vipers you know a viper is a type of a snake so he was calling them (laughs) sons of the devil who, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Now the word hell there is Gehenna, the place of the burning place in Israel. Israel those days, where they, were, where they used to burn trash and heap and even bodies. So he was telling him, how shall he escape that that, that thing that shall come that will that will look like Gehenna? How In verse thirty-four, he tells them, therefore, indeed I send you prophets, wise men and scribes some of them you will kill and crucify and that's why peter was crucified and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that was the job of of, of Saul before he, before he repented he was killing christians from city to city you know Saul, Saul would have been affected with, with that thing too, but he repented and embraced the gospel then in verse 25 he says that on you on who that Jewish race not our time and on you may come all the righteous blood on the earth from the blood of the righteous Abel who was the first saint to be killed to the blood of Zechariah the son of Bar- Barakai whom you murdered between the temple and the altar now there's a, if you look at it you will see something that may confuse you why did Jesus say that upon that generation shall come the blood of the first person which is Abel and they call the last person to be Zechariah but when you check your, your Bible you find out that your Bible doesn't end in Zechariah it ends in Malachi that's the Old Testament so why did you say that it's because in the Hebrew Bible like your own the first book is what? Genesis is good in your own writing, biblical arrangement, the last book is no. Sorry, Old Testament. Sorry, Old Testament. Malachi. But in the Hebrew order of books, the last book is not Malachi. The last book is the Second Chronicles. Then I see why it's important to do, do research. So according to the way they they listed their books, the last book was the book of Second Chronicles, and in Second Chronicles we see the story of how this Zechariah was murdered in the temple by the Jewish leaders. Hallelujah! Then he now tells them that upon you shall the blood of all from beginning to the end come now in verse 36 look at what it says there assuredly verily verily of a truth i tell you all these things what things all the woes he mentioned all these things will come upon this generation not our own time or any other time the generation that was alive to hear what he was saying Hallelujah. So when he said, when he now said this, look at what he said in verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stole the one that was sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her cheeks under her wings, but you were not willing. So are you seeing now that the judgment that was to come could have been as they could have avoided it if they had entered his protective cover but they were not willing now it says in verse 38 see look your house is left to you what desolate what house the house of prayer the temple where everything around them is built it says it's desolate empty destroyed ruined and when he said this, the temple was still standing. But with prophetic eyes, we were was seeing it. For I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Do you not see the connection now? <laughs> you cannot understand my Matthew 24 until you understand it from Matthew 21 to 24. And most importantly you must understand the idea of the book of Matthew to understand the prophecy in the book of Matthew hallelujah so everything you're seeing there is a build-up to the judgment that was about to release upon that generation upon the Jewish priesthood and upon the nation or the people who refused to embrace the Messiah as he came in the kingdom so when disciples now said in verse 2 look at what they said um, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives the disciples came to him privately after hearing everything he had said they heard him speak to the, the Jewish leaders in the temple in front of everybody seven woes they heard the prophecy and the parable about how the city will be destroyed because they refused to attend the, ban- the banquet and the Bible tells them that the, 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 the Pharisees knew that he was talking about them after hearing that full discussion Jesus took time to bring them down with his words. They had never seen him talk that way before, with so much anger, holy anger in his voice towards the people. So when he had finished talking and he left the temple, after he had finished giving them that prophecy, the disciples now met in private and said, "Master, what's a message? <laughs> Tell us when shall these things be?" Because from what they, are, they heard him say, they knew that judgment was about to happen. When shall these things be? And what, what will be the sign of your coming? Now, the word they're coming there is not supposed to be even coming. Suppose the Greek word is Parousia. It's supposed to be when shall be the sign of your presence? Okay? And the ends of the age. What age? They knew that if the temple would be destroyed and you don't have the Jewish priesthood anymore to function, that means that Jewish age is gone. And hence, that was the reason behind the question. They were not asking Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, come and now tell us. How will this world (laughs) end? Hello, do you understand? You know, we can ask some kind of funny questions. Like someone will ask you, Pastor Simeon, when was God born? You know that if a person asks that kind of question, you know it came from an idle mind. Abby? Because sometimes we, we nobody have that kind of I, I do thinking, and you ask the questions. Sometimes when, whenever I ask that kind of question in church, the pastor is even versed this arm like, what is what was the guy thinking? Of? you know? But these questions that they were asked were very deliberate questions because the head didn't speak. Many times that he would tell them he was speaking in public. The disciples will respect himself. I see they understand what he's saying. When everybody has gone, say <laughs> then that's who you talk. <laughs> Come on, stay <it's> for. <laughs> <laughs> it will get us a B if we begin to ask you like others to ask in public. You know, even the parable of the Sower, understand the disciples didn't understand it too. After everybody has gone, they say, Ah, nobody has bros. Rabbi, senior master, what meaning thou? Hallelujah. So, they ask these questions to know when would these things happen because these things that were about to happen for the Jewish temple to be destroyed in that day and age there was no building on earth no building on earth that was as glamorous as that temple there was none not one standing here let me show you a picture of 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 the temple this is like a what I can call a prototype of how the temple looks like now, you can imagine how people as small as this, like dots. Imagine this standing 2,000 years ago. There was nothing like this, ever. Standing on the face of earth. 2,000 years ago. It was massive. It was massive. It was built with bricks and gold. So, if we're able if we're to if, just to remove this, the, the <laughs> the frame and the, the structure you, you if you are removing it you are removing money <laughs> you know when this temple was built it took them f- 46 years to build this temple hello if you are taking if you are spending time to build a house for 46 years not because you don't have money oh. that was not the issue if you had money and you take 46 years to build a house what do, how will you value that house you know, if you have money here in Nigeria, yeah, they can quickly build a three-bedroom flat. So a three, three story building. It had money in probably six months, I mean. even before six months. the can going on every day? And will be standing. Forty-six years. Solomon's own, the first one he built was not didn't take this long. But if you also quantify how much it took to build Solomon's temple, there's no building standing today that can measure to up to the value of Solomon's temple. And Jesus was telling him, "You see, you see all these things. Say not one stone will be standing upon each other. As in, everything will come down." And you can imagine. Look, look on the disciple's face. Yeah. <laughs> For you, to to say? Yeah. I think I have on, on, another picture view of, of, of the temple. Let me, let me see if I can bring it out. Yeah. this is another picture of view this is how Solomon's own was structured let me just see if I can maximize the view so now look at how it was dissected this is the temple it doesn't look like this actually it was removed so you can see what is inside so here you have the high priest he goes here puts the blood on, on, the, on the Holy of Holies which is separated by a veil, a temple, uh, a curtain then you have this which is called a lava where excuse me, the priests wash themselves here before they perform these other smaller ones are where they wash the sacrifices before they offer it then here is where they burn the sacrifices but the high priest will take one into this place. Then you have this. So if you look at here very well, you see, you see two um, cherubims there, and in, in, in the temple. And the the, the 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 picture of the first church, uh, these cherubims were also um, was our. Is monogram on, and the monogram or embroidered into the the temple's veil? Nobody could enter. Should enter in except the high priest. So now, and anyway, it must enter with blood. And if you look at that very, you see a picture of the Garden of 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 Eden. Two children standing at the gates, and with a sword, not letting anyone in to eat of the tree of life. Eventually, that that sword that was swinging found himself plunged to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! And it was plunged into him, and Jesus to the thief on the cross there today. You will be in paradise. Letting them know that through death on the cross, the way to the tree of life will be open. And guess who the tree of life in that garden is? Jesus himself. So in the book of Re- Revelation 22, it ends by telling us that he saw the tree of life in another garden. I saw something on Facebook yesterday, very interesting, very striking. This is just just two days ago? It begins in the Bible, Genesis, in the garden. Everything was there. River flowing. The man fell. God came in that same garden and announced that the seed of the woman would bruise the head. And he announced the Messiah in the garden. Jesus came on earth. And before he went to the cross, inside a garden, sweat drops of blood touched the earth. When man sinned at the beginning, God did not cause man. He said, Curse be the ground for your sake. So Jesus's blood going into the earth was to reverse the course hallelujah then in the book of Revelation when the kingdom had fully had been established then the garden was being seen with the tree of life there and it says we' was bearing every man of truth every month of the year and he says they leave for the healing of the nations and inside that garden was flowing a river and Jesus said something in John he says he that believes on me as the have said out of his belly shall flow what Rivers of living waters. The book of Revelation is highly symbolic How about the new covenant age. But when people interpret that that book, literally, they, they will be expecting that one day when everything not finished, wrap up, you now see one garden, we now see a tree of life. I'm going to pluck the fruit that eat that Adam could not pluck. Hey, we are already part of that tree now. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Hallelujah. The life of the tree is in us. He bears fruit through us. So we don't need this again. Why? Because the temple is now us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God had to knock down our system, knock down the temple, knock down the, the practice, knock down the king of animals because one sacrifice was enough. That of Jesus Christ. There's no need to now offer another sacrifice again there's no need for priests to wash the animals because the Father has presented one animal that was perfect, spotless, pure for us. Hallelujah. Everything that we were doing there was a shadow of what was to come. Now we have the reality in Christ. Amen. And the best thing that people can do right now is to begin to see and embrace the reality that we now have in Christ. To live the the life of God. To live that life that is in that garden. Amen. see, when people begin, begin to see these realities and believe it it shall become that everyday reality so the church right now is in a is in a state of growing in consciousness to realizing where we are right now praise God amen all right so we'll stop here for today tomorrow or next Thursday we will continue our study into Matthew 24 we we'll look at it gradually one step at a time amen Do you have any questions? Any questions so far?